forever. Dog. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Writers Panel podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. On this podcast, we talk about the business and process of writing mostly television with mostly television writers. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator and host of this show. I myself am a television writer and a writer of other things. You may have seen my name on Supernatural, on Puss in Boots, as well as some other series. Most recently, you can find the Audible original series Cut and Run, which my writing partner and I have written. It's about the relationship woes of best friends who happen to be kidney thieves. It's available at audible.com slash cut and run. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. That's always very helpful for us. Also, please follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so. And let me know who else you would like to see on this show. What are you watching on television? What's getting you excited or inspired? And we'll try to get those creators or at least someone from the show to talk about TV because that's what we love to talk about. Here's the theme song. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Thank you all for being here. What I'm going to do is ask you to introduce yourselves on the microphone so the listener knows what your voice sounds like. Tell us somewhere uh, they may have seen your name on their television screen. David, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, my name is David Hemmingson. Uh, what would you know me from? Um... Last season, last season, I had a show called Whiskey Cavalier on ABC. Um, beloved. I, thank, a beloved Thank series. you. Thank you very much. I created a show called um, Kitchen Confidential. It starred Bradley Cooper some years ago. Um, what else? I've worked on How I Met Your Mother, Family Guy, American Dad, Bones, uh, Lie to Me, um, The Catch, uh, Blackish. What else? It's been I've been at it for a while, so those those are those are some of the highlights. That's a hell of a resume. Thank you. That's sort of one. That's me. He has an excellent memory. <laughs> uh, my name is Jenna Lamia, and as a writer, you would uh, most recently have seen my name probably in the credits for Good Girls on NBC, um, and before that, I was on a show called No Tomorrow that was just one season on the CW. Uh, before that. I was on an MTV comedy called Awkward, which I also acted in. Mm -hmm. um, so you saw my name in two places. <laughs> and um, I think I th before that, uh, Beverly Hills 90210 on the C-dubs. That's also a hell of a resume. I don't have as long of a resume it's, as, it's an, as a writer. It's pretty good, though. It's pretty good. <laughs> Carla. Oh, boy. It's a list. Okay. I'm going to leave out all the shows I did in Australia. Because no, totally. Wow, that's that's an we could do an hour on that. That's, I, that's oh, fascinating. Yeah, Australia. it's really fascinating. I, I did a. This is Carla Kettner. Hi, Hi Carla Kettner. <laughs> yes, I I was in a little thing with an Australian musician right out of college and ended up in Australia. Long story, won't give the details. Um, uh, and stumbled my way into writing television down in Australia. Uh, the great part was there was no room, so you were just assigned scripts. So. Hmm. In two years, I did 40 hours of wow. television. Wow. Yeah, shocking. Then I came here and let's see. Okay. <sighs> Due South, early edition, judging Amy, bunch of stuff you wouldn't have heard of. <laughs> then I'm going to cut straight to Bones for five years, mm -hmm. a couple years on the blacklist. And I just had a surprise curveball pilot picked up. Well, congrats. Um, so I, I, 
apparently assembling room and starting next week. That's wow. amazing. That's Congrats. Uh, yeah. What is the pilot? Are you allowed, you're allowed to talk about it. That information's out there. Pilot's called Florida Man, which I wrote with a great feature guy, uh, Nick Stoller. Mm-hmm. And we'd done it for, written it for Fox this season. It got, made it down to the wire, then got passed on. And then last Friday, I got the surprise phone call that, hey, you're going to series at Charter. So, Amazing. That's awesome. That's wow. Great. Congrats. Thank you. Um, well, let's start there then. Tell me about, is this your first show running game? No, I've run shows before, not my own. Okay, that's what I thought. I've I've run shows before and been uh, number two on, yeah. oh my God, probably eight different shows. Um, so, the, But those other shows, you were sort of inheriting staffs, am I right? So you're putting together correct. a writer's room for the first time. Well, I've I've put together. I've been in right at the beginning on a okay. couple of different shows where I helped assemble the staff. Okay. But uh, so based on those experiences and now doing this, how do you put together a staff? What are you looking for? What are you reading? Uh, and what do you expect from the meetings with the writers? Well, what I'm looking for, my everybody's different with what kind of staff they like. Personally, the best experience best experiences I've had have been on small staffs. Mm-hmm. Um, my Because this is on an extremely kind of expedited schedule, um, I'm just attempting to gather a few upper level, very experienced folks. Um, and then, you know, a couple of juniors, what I look for mostly, it's funny, I just had this discussion yesterday. What I look for mostly is um, people who have, when you read them, you can feel heart in their material. Um, I've read some very polished, <laughs> clever scripts this week, but there's there's like, I, I don't feel a soul there. And, and I've written in five million genres at this point. Oh, I forgot my medical shows up there. <laughs> um, but the one thing that that I respond to is emotion and characters that yeah. feel like they're flesh and blood rather than just deliverers of of clever moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um for so, sure. so that's my kind of and, and I mean the the hopeful part for for writers who are frustrated with how long it takes to get their own show on the air is that I think I've written 15 pilots hmm. that that never made it to series. Yeah. So. And listen, you can make a living at that. You oh, can do that for hey, years and years. <laughs> closing in on 30 years in the guild. Yeah. So wow. hell yeah. And I think my longest period of unemployment was possibly when I gave birth. <laughs> <laughs> I think and you were that, otherwise that was busy. Four days. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Good lord! Um, so we'll uh, we'll pick up uh, uh, on some of those points in a minute. Um, Jenna, where are you right now? What's going on? I'm in LA. No. What's happening with um, your life? So it's interesting to hear you talk about your pilot because I am in limbo right now, waiting on a pilot at Fox. Um, and I, it's I. This is only my second network pilot. Um, and it is excruciating waiting <laughs> um, because I really thought I would hear kind of early on, you know, a yes or a no, which is why I love network. Yeah. Because there's a set That's schedule. True. You write it by a certain date. You hand it in and you're going to know if you got an A. 
like yeah. within was a couple was months. this uh, a fairly typical pilot process for you? You took it in as a pitch, and they mm, paid you to write it. It honestly was a little bit atypical in that it was brought to me. Mm-hmm. It was a book that um, so Gail Berman um, at Sidecar. She has mm-hmm. a love um, Gail lover so much. She's an incredible producer. I just did a pilot. Um, she's just. Very strong and very smart, and she produces when she needs to and backs off when mm. she sees fit, which is awesome um, so far. I mean, this is just for the writing process. Yeah. Um, it was a little roundabout. I had worked um, last summer on the, – the zip code 90210 haunts me. <laughs> I had worked on the BH 90210 yeah. sort of event summer yeah. uh, series, which was just six episodes, and my name will not appear in the credits on that. Um, because no, just because there was a lot of um, there was a lot of shifting around, and um, I ended up not staying for the whole time, uh, but not because of anything bad or negative. Uh, but what happened was, in the process of that, I got to know the executives at Fox, who then um, knew that Gail had this book, uh, which was a bestseller. It's called The Perfect Couple. Mm-hmm. It's by a very popular um, sort of beach read author named Ellen Hildebrand, who I happen to absolutely love. And when they reached out, said, you know, we don't know if you – this is the kind of thing you would want to do, but we've got this book. And I said, oh, my – you don't need to send me the book. <laughs> I read it last summer, <laughs> the day Perfect. it came out. Yeah. So it was one of those great sort of kismet um, things. And so uh, – I went in and sort of talked to Fox about how I thought it would lay out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a couple months actually getting that pitch ready because it's an wow. existing piece of material. And um, we thought it would be effective to really lay out how the whole season mm-hmm. would work. And it's a mystery. Uh, it's a murder mystery. Yeah. So this was new to me. You kind of have to do the whole thing yeah. because there's an ending. Um <laughs> So and you so, broke that on your own. Broke that on my own with notes from right, with um, the producers, the producers yeah. who were very involved, uh, and which was great. Um, so by the time I went into Fox to pitch it, I knew it, you know, backwards and forwards. Yeah. I had worked out every episode. Uh, I mean, I had to sort of pull back on the amount of details I pitched. I really knew every single. piece of it which feels like the way cable pitching is these days you have to know like the whole so this was um a little new for me to pitch like 10 episodes the full pilot we had a a deck of um location photos because the location of nantucket is such a character Mm. in the series so um so that was actually really fun because i love the book so much i like spending time in the world of yeah. that book so your enthusiasm came across i think it must pitch, have which, <laughs> i think know. it did that, that goes a long way for it, sure. it does when you're really well matched to the material yeah. there's no shame in explaining how well matched you are to the material i mean my opening <laughs> of my advice. pitch was like look i grew up summering as a verb because <laughs> um, i did and that is what you know is captured in the book um and then and then after that it was fairly typical i wrote it uh, I think I handed in the final uh, draft of it in early January, and I've been waiting to hear. I mean, I've had feedback from the network, but they're waiting on the higher-ups. And I think because it is off-cycle, it's a summer 
Yeah. Sure. Um, and, and Fox has, has changed their methodology somewhat. They're not buying as much because of the whole Disney thing. Yeah. And yeah. they are staggering. So don't be dismayed yeah. at all. I mean, you're, if you're still, no news is good news in this situation. Absolutely. That's what I was telling myself. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> the yeah. first few weeks I was like waking up every day, like maybe today I'll hear. Oh, I was in oh. Vancouver. It's torture. Anyway. Yeah. And um, I have I, I've now stopped doing that and started Gosh. writing something else as good. therapy. That's very you just healthy. Have to. I got a good vibe. It's going to work out. Oh, good. Thank <laughs> I want to see it. I, I do That's too. Cool. I um, want a summer in Nantucket. <laughs> well, sure. Uh, David, <laughs> um, Whiskey Cavalier was last season. Is that it right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, a such a well reviewed show. It was Thank a great you. show. Thank People you. loved it. And then. You hear it's not coming back. <laughs> yeah. What's next for you? What What do I, you wake got, up and do? It's weird because you know I've been at this like Carla for about twenty about twenty five years, and I was an attorney before I became a writer, mm-hmm. and so this was sort of like the thing that I wa- love to do, and kind of I was in the groundlings for a stretch, and then kind of in the <laughs> program, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm a TV writer. So, so, <laughs> so I found so I found my way into this, uh, and I give you that runway simply yeah. because um, you know when it was when it was kind of on the bubble. Um, I was sort of like emotionally getting ready because when I lost, mm. um, when I lost, it's what it feels like when you, when you lose <laughs> yeah. one of your shows. So when I lost Kitchen Confidential, um, and I knew that Bradley was a star and I knew that we had something. We and got that home. was a great show oh, thank too. You, thank and you. that was, a, I mean, that was some time ago. Thank you. 15 years ago. But it was yeah. like, you know, we got nominated for the Writers Guild Award for Best Comedy. We yeah. were aired four times. But it was like one of the situations where when you lose something, you love that deeply. And, you know, it took me like fucking three years to get over it. Like three years, and I had another show on ABC. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, I was like, and I was writing, and I was, you know, I'd actually gone on to to work on Family Guy and American Dad subsequently. But uh, you, you kind of it, it changes you a little bit. So by the time Whiskey, which was you know fantastic, I mean, I I just want to give a shout out to Scott Foley and yeah. and the entire cast um, because they were magnificent. And um, pr- shooting Prague was amazing. And Peter Tensio is a brilliant guy, and Bill Lawrence so is a great good. producer. And like you know, I had the great good fortune of working with some awesome people. Um, but it was exhausting. So by the time we got to May, because it was a 14-hour flight, and I went four times, and oh, you'd leave the writer's room, and it was a nine-hour time difference. So by the time uh, Whiskey um, was on the bubble, then there was a fan kind of rallying mm-hmm. phenomenon whereby it actually got resurrected for two weeks. So I, I just think where it got canceled, and then I'm like, okay, I'll cry my bitter tears. <laughs> I'll get drunk. I'll wake up. I'll do it again. <laughs> see what the fuck happens. Okay, fine. And then all of a sudden, it's like they've got a billboard in Times Square, and they're sending shot glasses to the network in the studio, like wow. thousands upon thousands. Fuckers. So and it was organic. Uh, and a mutual friend yeah. of ours, somebody actually asked if, if Dean was involved in this because he's a very gung-ho guy. And I'm like, no, he's not. This is organic. So we got really <laughs> lucky. And it was great to see that outpouring. So thank you to anybody who dug the show or, or you know wants to discover the show. I'm deeply grateful to the people who watched it. Um, but I was sort of in a situation where I'd done it. See, I told you it was a long runway. I'd done it a couple of times already. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of like, okay, well, if there's heartbreak baked in, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna see what I can do. And luckily, I'd actually, and, I, and it's, I'm going to be coy about this because the director will kill me. But I started developing a, a movie with this director um, in 2018 who'd read another pilot that I'd written that hasn't circulated to anybody. Uh, and was like, I, he doesn't do television. And he was like, yeah, I like this. Should I do TV? I'm like, you should. You should do my show. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But I'd like you to write a movie for me. So I started working on that movie and immediately pivoted to that, which was kind of psychologically the yes. best thing possible. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I think that's why you're saying, Jenna, like you're talking about in the waiting process, writing something else. Yeah. Just never stop writing. I mean, that's the pivotal concept, you know, never stop writing. I tell my writers that. Um, you know, even if you're depressed and it's shitty, uh, that's okay because writing yeah. is rewriting. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'm just writing. You know, I, I actually um, 
taking a couple of pods at streaming, doing some with Gail. We're mm-hmm. taking out to streaming services. And yeah. I've got something with Universal TV that I wrote that we're taking streaming services. So. so you're out in the pitching process now. Yeah, no, I've written a couple and we're taking them out. Okay. So we're shopping them. So I spec a couple of pilots. Right. Um, I That's prefer great. I prefer to spec pilots. Yeah, if I can, yeah, I'm finding that more Absolutely. and more. Absolutely, tell yeah. me why. Yeah. I want. I Let's really want to know. Carl, I want you to win because I'm sort of like <laughs> uh, you go first. <laughs> I feel like the the pilots that I've specced are my favorite pieces of material that I've written, and it's stuff that I knew I couldn't sell, but I knew I wanted to write, and there's joy in that process, Mm. and nothing bad can come of it. I mean, you write (laughs) it the way you want to write it. Uh, You have probably a great piece of material afterwards, and and what the hell? Life is too short to just write stuff that you know you're going to get paid for. Um, I think that, like, I barely remember, truly, a lot of the pilots I've written for for networks because mm-hmm. mostly I've worked in the network uh, universe. Um, like, literally, couldn't tell you character names, <laughs> couldn't tell you like where they were set, like what they were about. <laughs> but the ones that I specced, I they're like my babies, and and I don't care. Nobody wanted to make them. That just means they're <laughs> stupid. Yeah, I agree. I you know if if you have and it's a luxury to some extent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you're writing something that you love. I mean, the greatest, thank God, the greatest success I've had, honestly, and, and whiskey was an idea I had for six years. And it was like, it was based on my buddy, Eugene Casey, who will listen to this, who's a sensitive FBI agent <laughs> who had a breakup with his girlfriend in Paris. And I literally was like, this is fucking amazing. Can I have this? And he's like, go ahead. And that's how it happened. It was oh, based you on, specced whiskey. Oh, no, I didn't actually. But I had whiskey as an idea that I was kicking around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it had de- been developed as a feature with a couple of prominent producers. Mm-hmm. And then a movie called This Means War came out like six years ago. And they were like, we don't want to do this anymore because this sort of romantic espionage thing. And I'm like, well, it's different, but But it's sort of like, you know, it is what it is. So I'm like, uh, okay. And I just kind of stuck it in a drawer and then pitched it to Bill. And that that happened so fast. Yeah, That was like Bill to Scott to boom, done. (laughs) It was like like 72 hours. I was like, oh my God. And it was something I had for six years. So I think the things that you hang on to and the ideas you can't let go of tend to produce the best work. Um, And I, you know, and like I said, this this thing that I'm doing, this feature, it's like with an outgrowth of a, pilot that no one's read yet and he just got a, his hands on through my former agent who graciously gave it to another client who gave it to this guy mm-hmm. and it was like I got the call I thought it was a joke I'm like what and I no one's seen it and um, I, I think the you just do I, for me personally my best work is my the work that I do when I'm not afraid of anything or anyone or I'm not chasing a dollar mm-hmm. and I guess we're all chasing dollars let's not bullshit each other but it's sort of like you, the stuff that you do because you have to do it um, or that the, the characters that won't stop talking to you mm-hmm. and and to Carla's original point, like the idea of emotion, uh, what I've come to understand is wit is wit isn't cheap. I mean, it's hard to come by when it's it's sterling and beautiful. Um, but heart combined with wit combined with structure um, ah. is like <laughs> there you it's, 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 yeah, it's a trifecta, you know. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you experienced that writing. I mean, having to plot out a murder mystery for an entire season. Sure. I mean, you got to deal with the emotional arcs. You got to deal with the material plot twists. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's so hard to come by. And and like. If you can find that organically in something you love to do, and like you love this book, like that's that's the jackpot. I mean, that's what that's what I do it for. I mean, yeah. that's that's all I want to do going forward. I, I will I will say, and I'm, I'd be curious to hear about your perspectives on this. But 
structure and wit are things that can be learned. You know, these are craft. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, some people can't learn structure. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and you 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 got to bite your tongue sometimes in a room yeah. where you're like, don't you understand it? <laughs> <laughs> the reverse thing. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there, there is something blossom. instinctive about it, sure. But I do mm-hmm. think, like, you can fake it to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, you I can, sure hope so because – <laughs> it's the hardest part for me, yeah. <laughs> and it, I think it's it's hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it it's is hard for the more yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the more it's you do the it, it's fun. the more cabinets you build, the better you mm-hmm. become a building. Yeah, cabinets, it, it is right? it is a finished work kind of. Well, it's actually kind of a foundational thing, but it's yeah. like the, the finished work is like those little twists. I think people can learn, mm-hmm. but this is where car- this is where emotion comes in. Like the big moves, right. you can learn the big moves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you can learn the always lost moment. You can learn reversal. You do the hero's journey bullshit, blah blah. But the truth of the matter is. It's it's the finished work. It's and I was watching a Cindy Lumet movie. I'm digress for thirty seconds or mm-hmm. more. I talk fast, so I promise. Gentle <laughs> This whole show uh, is digressions. You're um, kidding me. But it's called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Have you ever seen it? No. It's wow. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ethan Hawke and Marissa Tomei mm-hmm. and Albert Finney. Um, and it is. I, I love Lumet, but it's like one of the most. I, anybody who's listening, check out Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. It's a fucking masterpiece. It is one of his last movies. It's one of his. Yeah. I think it's his last movie. Okay. And, it is a murder. It's a murder mystery, and it's kind of it's a fractured timeline. But every single turn has a deep and abiding character motive behind it, wow. and the responses and reactions that are up from the characters based upon the thing that just happened completely makes sense. And people are shit heels, and they make terrible decisions, but that's sort of consistent with the characters that have been created. So I think if you can find the structural components that are essential to telling the story and then find the character moments yep. that zhuzh it. So it's like, holy yeah. shit, of course, that seems like a stupid fucking thing to do, but you're you, so you're going to do it. You know, it just <laughs> yeah. sort of makes sense. I think that's the that's the magic, yeah. right? Kind of the strike yeah. zone. I don't know. It, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. The um, truth is as, as perfect of a structure as you can ever come up with, you really don't have much if you don't zhuzh, if you don't put that heart in it. I don't care. You know, yeah. if I don't, if I'm not invested in those characters because I empathize or hate them, or you yeah. know, if I'm not emotionally invested, yeah. Yeah. then I how no it doesn't matter how perfect the There's puzzle. There's too many things competing is. for your attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's too many too many interesting things competing for your attention. Unless you can engage people on the human level, right? In my opinion, it's it's all fucking bullshit. I mean, like, you know, there's so much TV. Like the great TV stands out because it's it's human television yeah. and it's well crafted human television. And that's I was going, you know, the the end of that point was that's the part you can't learn. That's the part that yep. can't be taught. It's got to come from inside. And I think, you know, Carla, as you're looking at these scripts to hire a staff, you know it. You know when someone has yep. it and you know when they don't. I feel like I know by around page Ten, which yeah. is a terrible thing to say, because because no, it's know. absolutely true. But but you can just feel it or not feel it, um, and and it's probably different from person to person. I mean, mm-hmm. just because I don't connect with something, doesn't mean that someone else isn't going to connect with that material. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. Here's the great news. Everyone has a soul. Everyone has a heart. It's, it's Except for the this willingness one guy. to share. <laughs> true, true. There was a director I worked with once who that's I can true. Think of one or two um, people, yeah. I guess I guess though what I would want to hear as someone starting out, it could, because it's true in the room as well. Once you get the job, yeah. it's so important to be willing to really share your oh stories, yes. your deep, raw for humor, for for emotion, just to be vulnerable. So to be vulnerable in your writing 
and then keep on being vulnerable once you're in that room. That's the goal. That's where we get the best little zhuzhs from. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny you should stories. say because it's also the most difficult thing. Um, but I was thinking about Bong Joon-ho. I've, I don't know if you guys saw Parasite. Mm-hmm. Of course. Plug for Loved. Parasite. Loved. The masterpiece. But um, he, Bong Joon-ho in his acceptance speech, I think, uh, quoted Scorsese when he said the most creative is the most personal. And so, like, the more the more at risk you can be because also – the longer you do it as a writer, and even young writers, you can tell when someone comes out with something and there's this collective gasp in the room. We're like, oh, we got to steal that. Oh, we got to steal that. That's fantastic. Your mother did that. Your mother did yeah. that. That's fucked up. We're using that. Yeah. You know I mean? Tell it's us so, more. Yeah, exactly. So it's so emotionally resonant. so human, you know, and I think yeah. that, that that's the key thing, you know. I worked once on a show probably like seven years ago, and there was a staff writer whose script we had loved that we hired. Um, and she sat in the room filing her nails and reading People magazine while the rest of us were being vulnerable and participating. And finally, like, I'm not a yeller. I'm Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we don't have the authority to yell. Um, uh, And I finally pulled her aside and said, dude, what 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 are you doing? We all hate your guts. We're all like intimate and vulnerable and sharing, and you're reading goddamn People magazine and filing your nails. What up? And fired her two weeks later. But but it was that oh my gosh. that that like and that, that's your first break. It's the, yeah. I, I never that was one of the most shocking things that happened yeah. to me. I think in a room ever. And and it goes to Jenna's point that you need to. That's why I think we become such good friends with with the people we've spent a lot of time in a room with because mm-hmm. you know more. I mean, people I've spent time in a room with probably know more about me than like my husband. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Sure how how amazing. How lucky. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. a great part of the job. Yeah. I love that about yeah. it. Yeah, but it's also, you know, the perfect job for a certain person, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. my wife hears something like that and is like, oh God, that's a nightmare. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to have to manage all this Exactly. Stuff. You know, and you know, it's tough because I, I tend to run my rooms like I, I don't really see rank. I try not to see rank. Yeah. I mean, which means there are certain people I know who sort of set it up. Well, you can talk to the show and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you can talk to me anytime, anything, anything you need to say, blah, blah, blah. But the key thing is um, to, to share and not to occasionally – People will weaponize things. And the, the worst thing you can yeah. do is if people – if you hear something in that room, th- it's the really it's really the tree of trust. Like you yeah. don't fucking ever repeat something that someone has shared with you personally in the writer's room in any context that would allow you to diminish that person in any way, shape, or form. That's yep. the only yeah. thing you got to remember. Because when you're in the writer's room and you're sharing, which is going to get the best result, um, to then betray that trust is, is, the, is yeah. a cardinal sin. You can't do that. Well, that has to come from the top yeah. down, right? Yes, like totally. the showrunner, the boss has to create well, I say a space. It. I say where, that, believe me. Yeah. I'm like, I want you to share and it won't leave the room. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's dig in on some of this stuff. I'm curious to hear about early shows that you all worked on where you were finding your way and giving yourself emotionally and caring about – the characters, the show, the other writers, whatever it was. Let's start with you. Oh, boy. Okay, so so I'll give you my personal nightmare experience because we're past the statute of limitations for sure. Great. And that would be um, Due South, which I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. remembers. I do remember. But it involved a Mountie and a dog and, and Paul Haggis and his sister – Kathy ran the show. Um, we were up in – it was the only time I've ever worked in Canada. We were up in Toronto and Paul, who's an absolute 
genius. Um, for some reason, like to do stuff like play pool and chit chat and and be funny for for most of the day, which is charming and adorable, except for nothing got done. And then he'd call at like 11 o'clock at night in the middle of a blizzard uh, and say, okay, now let's, now let's break stories. Like, oh, my oh gosh. God. <laughs> um, I was on that show with some fabulous people, one of whom was David Shore, who mm-hmm. I yeah. think everybody's Legend. familiar with, and Peter Lefcourt, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it felt, I, I mean, I think... I think the vibe can be summarized by the fact that most days Peter Lefcourt would lead us on a walk through the cemetery that was adjacent to our writer's oh room. And, oh like, at certain points, you get a little bit jealous of the dead people because it seemed so restful <laughs> and like, great. We named a lot of characters after the dead people in the cemetery. Um, I, I, I had just gotten married and, and, and um, uh, left after a season of that but my one of my fondest recollections is finding a bakery in Toronto once I was back in LA finding a bakery in Toronto and sending David Shore a cake with a file baked in it because <laughs> <laughs> um, he couldn't get out of his deal but you, um, you were in an interesting situation where you had been like you had written a ton of scripts before yeah. this yeah, yeah, job yeah, 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 yeah. so you you know, while you were probably a low-level writer on yeah. this, you probably had written a lot more hours of TV than anyone else. I had, but I hadn't um, because most of that writing had been done in a non-room situation. Right. No. It was very different, and I didn't have the perspective that I have now, which yeah. which is, yeah, you're going to end up in some rooms that suck, but mm-hmm. you will live through it, and those paychecks are fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that then, so I took everything very personally. Yeah. Which is easy um, to do as a young writer. Super easy to do. And and I wish there was a way to explain to young writers that you don't have to. But but I think it's just part of the process. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why a lot of writers end, end up in mid-career bailing. Hmm. Um, God bless them. Uh <laughs> More jobs for those of us who don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my but worst experience. That seems like part of the vulnerability that we sign up for in this job, right? Yeah. Is yeah. you're sort of, especially on those early jobs, you're an open wound. Yes, yeah. yes, you are. Um, yes, and which you are. Is sometimes good for the show, but bad for you. Yeah, I mean, the advice that that I give young writers who are having difficult times in rooms is to take a breath, to just not feel like everybody's judging you and watching. Because, frankly, we're all worried about our own material. Yeah. 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 We're all showrunners. We're all worried about getting the show on the air. And we're not, we're not like scrutinizing you that closely. It's It's weird. It's personal, but it's not personal. It's It's that old adage. It's like, you know, don't worry about what people think of you because mostly they aren't. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's exactly right. Um, David, before we get into some of the um, earlier sort of primetime comedy things, um, it looks like you started in a lot of kids' TV. Yeah, back in the day. With Brand and 101 Dalmatians. But I want to ask about Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete. (laughs) Pete and Pete was my first gig, man. Beloved. Thank you. I got really lucky. Great show. I'll give you, again, I'll try to keep the runway short. Uh, I uh, (laughs) was an attorney uh, over at Loeb and Loeb as an entertainment lawyer. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was incredibly <laughs> dull. Uh, and 
Uh, you know, I had a bunch of uh, educational debt, about $75,000 of educational debt to Columbia, sure. and I came out here to practice, and I practiced for three years, three months, two days. Uh, <laughs> but he's getting track. Yeah, I wrote a TV show about it that was on ABC called Deep End for, for a hot minute about oh, 10 funny. years ago. But um, Pete and Pete basically was, I decided I was going to quit the practice. I'd gone to the Groundlings. I had gone through Writer's Lab. Mindy Sterling, God bless her, in Writer's Lab was like, we love your improv stuff. Your character work needs some work. <laughs> And um, I was like, okay, like, you know, you're into acting. She's like, your acting needs a little work. I'm like, all right, that's fine. She goes, we want you to repeat writer's lab. I was like, I, I, but she goes, I, I said, I, I quit my career to do this. I thought I wanted to be on stage. And she oh said, um, honestly, you wrote X number. I think there were 19 sketches. I wrote or co-wrote 11 of them. And she's like, you should just be a TV writer. And oh, I wow. really thought about I'm like, oh, really? Okay. You know, I'm like really weeping. I'm like, thank you for destroying my brain. Rejection. Aww. Rejection. And I got really, really lucky. And I'll tell you what happened. I was in a, I was in a, a party. I was at a party that, uh, I think it was 90, was it 90, God, 94, 95? I was at a, a party in New York at Amy Brenneman's house. And I ran into Amy, yeah. ran into Amy over at Universal not long ago at a Christmas party with Julianne Robinson and I said, You I owe you my career. I said, what do you mean? I said, I That's was so at a sweet. I was at a party at your house that I don't know how I got invited to. It was after Heat, but before judging Amy, I think. Yeah. I think. Yep. And uh I was there and I'm like kind of lost, you know, and I had like, I don't know, fifteen grand that I'd saved and I like, you know, I come from a blue collar family, so my whole family thought I was fucking insane for doing yeah. this. Like, you know, you're gonna throw away your education to this. So I'm standing at this party. I'm with my buddy Jeff Hoppe, who is a visual artist. And this woman named Kim walks up and starts talking to him. And she starts flirting with him, of course, not with me. And that's just par for the course at the time, like whatever. <laughs> so this is what's going on. And he introduces me as a, a writer very graciously. And he says, I'm an artist. And um, anyway, evening ends. Anyway, two weeks later, he calls me up in L.A. I go back to L.A. I was in New York at the time visiting. And he says, uh, so this girl Kim called me up and said that, you know, because I was a writer, she her ex, I think, ex-fiance had this tv show uh on nickelodeon and they're looking for a writer and um she thought i was the writer so she gave <laughs> oh, me the information do you want the information and this is how the pete and pete job this is how the pete and pete job That's happened hilarious. and i was like i was yeah right it's fucking crazy so i was like uh okay so it was viscardi mcrob and i called them up and they actually had the single best test of any showrunner i've ever had in terms of like raw competence for a writer which was this. They said, you know, they had all these applications. It was not, not a guild show. I wasn't on the guild oh, at the time. I didn't realize that. And so they said, we're looking for like a, an assistant story editor, which is a position that doesn't exist. Hmm. So I'm like, you know, uh, Joe Stillman, who wrote Shrek and some other movies, was also, it was the four yeah. of us on staff. That was it. So what ended up happening was, um, they were like, we're going to send you a script. And we shot this episode. Have you seen, I, I, they hadn't aired it yet. So we shot it and they were posting it. We haven't aired it, but we're going to send you a script and it's the raw version of the, of the show we shot. How would you fix it to make it shootable? And I was like, Oh wow! This is like oh but here, the, this is the one time my legal education came in handy. <laughs> so I just briefed it. I just yeah. I just wrote a brief, and I'm like, Here's like you know, to from date Ray questions posed blah blah, and I just broke it down. This is where the structure thing helps. Where it's like I would change the following things. The following character beats don't work. And luckily, I got within about eighty percent of where they actually landed. Wow! That, that's how I got that job. And it was early. It was like you know, basically, um, I was online, early online, the yeah. early nineties, like with a headset on, like <laughs> calling into the Nickelodeon offices where like where at like Columbus Circle, you know. And that's how I did it. And my first produced credit was actually with with a, a woman named M. F. Stern, who is actually Nicole Holofcener, who wrote under the name no, M. F. Stern. Wow. 
Mm. So called Crisis in the Love Zone. It's my first uh, ever produced credit. And it's with MF Stern, and it is in fact uh, me and Nicole Hoffsinger wrote that script together. That's wild. Wow. Uh, so it's Pete. And Pete, Pete was amazing. At Chris Koch, who's a really, really close mm-hmm. friend of mine, he's done a ton of work. Uh, he directed an episode that Viscardi McRobb Stillman and I wrote called Saturday, which I think might have been the final episode of the series, possibly. And um, yeah, he right. he directed it, and we literally were like we like crossed each other in the hallway. <laughs> And didn't see each other again for like 15 or 20 years and 15 years. And we ran into each other and discovered that he had directed the second thing I'd ever written. Wow. That's wow. 15 years later. Yeah. So that's the Pete and Pete story. By the way, max, maximum respect to those guys, Viscardi and McRobb, because that show, God damn it, has that show held up. Like, yeah. I watch oh, it now and yeah. I'm like, it's kind of a masterpiece. I was yeah. so impressed. But they were just brilliant guys. So I was really lucky to have that job. That's great. Um, I want to pick up there when we come back to you. Um, but I want to interrupt for a minute and talk to you, Jenna, about this thing that we started talking about, which is – Giving giving it all to a show that is not your own show. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks like 90210 was your first staff job. It was. First of all, how did you wind up there? A little bit of a roundabout way. So I was an actress full time for many years. Um, and um, that's how I made my living. And I um, read a ton of pilots. You know, it always come out here. I lived in New York. I would come out for pilot season and it was a great education for writing because you read a ton of scripts. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm going a little bit far back, but um, I like telling this because I think it's great for aspiring writers to hear all the various ways you can get your foot in the door and, and just the fact that it's great to be prepared when the door opens. Absolutely. So I was an actress, but I, I was an English major. I wrote plays in college. I knew I wanted to write. Um, and the point is I, I had written a couple features just on my own. Um, I loved the movie. I still love the movie all about Eve. And I wrote this, um, sort of teen version of that set in a high school theater department, um, (laughs) called all about me still exists. (laughs) It's fantastic. In fact, uh, maybe, maybe finally getting that made. We'll see. Amazing. Um, but I had written that and I had done stage readings with my actor friends and I had, um, you know, done several drafts as as is a good idea. Um, and so I had gotten some attention for that. Actually, I sold that to New Line. Hmm. Um, so I, but I was just a writer by myself in my apartment. I didn't have any right. writer friends. I didn't have like any other deadlines. And it was a weird existence. Um, but I knew the door was open. I had sold a, I mean, this was back when you could sell a spec script with no credits, hmm. I, you yeah. know. Um, and an executive who read it said, they're looking for a writer. You, you know, you're great with the teen voice, obviously. Mm. You have this high school comedy. You know, they're looking to hire on Beverly Hills 90210. And I went in and met Rebecca Sinclair, who was running it at the time, and I did not get the job. Um, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I think she liked me well enough, though, because a year went by and then they called me. How funny. So that's another th- good thing to know. Like, yeah. You, you may have had a great meeting, but someone had a slightly better meeting, but they thought you were great and they're going to yeah. need you yeah. next time. Um, so that's how I got that job. It was that I sort of had a lot of scripts built up at home, like mm-hmm. waiting in a stack. I had polished them and polished them. And when an opportunity came for me to put them yeah. it in someone's hands, um, which was actually David O. Russell. That's what really wow. happened. Aww. So Funny. I was an actress, you know, and I auditioned for um, a, a film he was doing. Uh, eventually the film fell apart. Um, I ended up being in another movie of his, The Fighter, but this was before that. That's so cool. Um, the movie that I was going to be in was a comedy. Anyway, long story short, I was so excited. It was a big 
it would have been a big career boost, but <laughs> he didn't end up making it. But by the time that happened, we had figured out that we had both gone to Amherst. Um, he very coolly read my feature script, gave it to his agent, who was Ari Emanuel at the time, and then I got an agent that way wow. and ended up selling that script. Sure, but you had done the work. I mean, I, I think was so ready with repeating. that script. Like I was that actor going around town with a script under my arm. Yeah. I was that person. But I had worked on it for three years, um, yeah. and I had had stage readings with my friends. I had like right. hosted so things at my apartment yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, taped them and with like a probably a video camera at the time. <laughs> sure, you worked um, that script to death so that I it did. was ready. I did, and I still it's still my favorite thing I've ever written. That's great. Um, That's awesome. So that's a roundabout way of saying that's how I became a TV writer because <laughs> I was first a feature writer and then an executive who had read that feature said, I right. think you're right for this. So having had the writing experience, mm -hmm. when you got to the room, how what was surprising to you and what did you need to learn? I needed to learn when to listen and um, when to talk. And this is something that I'll – I'll share because I, I learned it over a couple years of observing, mm -hmm. observing, which is if you've got about, you know, 10 people sitting in a room all day listening to each other talk, it's second nature. We start to pay attention when certain people talk and tune out when others do. Why is that? There was a writer in the room named Paul Scarata who remains a dear friend to this day. Whenever he talked, I noticed that the whole staff sort of sat up and they're Ears perked up. We all listened when he talked. Why was that? He only talked when he really had something to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He listened to everybody. Mm -hmm. He sort of simmered on his own pitches and thoughts. He didn't have like a beginning, middle, and an end, which I've heard is the truth in some rooms that you don't pitch until you have like a full story that I could yeah. never do that. <laughs> um uh, what do you have the room for then? But he yeah. really sort of like metabolized all the ideas that were being thrown out and then only spoke when he had really something of value that moved the room forward. Yeah. And I started to sort of realize that. And because, of course, when you're new, you're nervous and you want to pitch because you want to prove that right. you yeah. deserve yeah. to be here and that it's you're insecurity. thinking. And that can really, you know, damage you if you do that too much early on, you're going to become a chattering voice that people tune out. It's not – people don't do it on purpose. It's an, it's an instinct we all have. It's a nervous – Sure. It, yeah. yeah. And and you don't want to be that person. So it's, yeah, it's not smart. a hierarchy thing. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. This is true for whatever I've level. I've seen it happen with co-EPs. I've seen Absolutely. it happen with staff writers. Absolutely. And, and, and it's like I call it the um, – you know the movie Breaking Away. They talk about drafting behind um, yes. trucks. Some people movie. will draft behind other pitches, and they'll draft <laughs> behind pitches, and they'll do it in the self-aggrandizing way. And it's because they want to establish their bona fides. That. So they'll be like, "Someone will say something." You know, when I was working on a salmon boat in Alaska, and then like <laughs> that'll have really nothing to do. But they want to get their salmon boat in Alaska anecdote in, or they want to build upon some sort of emotional dynamic. But it'll always be about them, and it'll be kind of off-topic, and. I notice certain people will do it all the time, and those are the people you tune out. It's like, dude, this has got nothing to do with the fucking soundboard Alaska. It's got everything to do with what we're trying to do here. If you have some small, focused, focused targeted comment yeah. that relates emotionally or plot-wise, great, share it. But otherwise, I don't. We don't have to hear. You know, <laughs> we, you, you know you, you, we don't pay you by the word. Yeah, have you encountered, have you encountered this? <laughs> yeah, I, it's That's funny. a great way to put it. I've encountered <laughs> it in a very positive way because 
what Jenna says is exactly right. Um, I had a, a writer's assistant on Bones named Keith Vogelsong. Yeah, I know Keith. Keith, I swear for an entire season, 22 episodes season of television, sitting behind his writer assistant desk in the corner taking notes. I think he taught he opened his mouth three times. <laughs> All three of those times were genius pitches. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? He was a staff writer the next yep. year. Um, hmm. um, yeah, there's I, something to be said. Another uh, writer's assistant, I had uh, Beck Smith on Zoo. Oh, I totally even forgot about that one. <laughs> um, on Zoo, uh, Beck hardly ever, took the most fabulous notes ever and would insert these great <laughs> links to things that people had casually mentioned in conversation and she'd come up with some YouTube video mm. about you know that had nothing to do with what we were working on but it entertained us and and Beck the same thing would would hardly ever speak unless someone asked her a question but then she once in a while, every like three or four episodes, she'd come up with this amazing pitch and she became a staff writer like the next season, too. So it, it, it's more it, it's not by the word. It's it's like say less, say great stuff. And we will all pay very close attention when you open your mouth. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Which is and it's a, dy- it's a dynamic tension between you don't want to you want to cut people off. You don't want to shut people off. But by the same token, you want to hope you hopefully it'll be an organic dynamic that evolves in a room where people will understand when to sort of choose their moment. And hopefully that that's usually kind of a cultural thing, show to show. Mm-hmm. And I, with my shows, I always try really hard to like enfranchise people. And sometimes if I feel like people are talking too much, and it's typically typically it's it's younger writers who are insecure, you just take them aside and go, what you're sharing is great. Let's focus it on this. And then if you do it gently, hopefully they'll take it in the spirit in which it's meant, mm-hmm. which is let's let's try to let's try to kind of aggregate. If at all possible, <laughs> yeah. rather than sort of like diffuse the topic, yes. you know. That's a great way you to know? put it. Yes. Um, I have so much more to ask you all, but I'm afraid we're out of time. Will you all come back? Can we do this team again? This is a great room. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, uh, I want to ask you what you are watching on television these days. <laughs> What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about? You said about? no gotcha questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go to you last. Uh, I'll start with Carla. What are you, oh, what are you talking about with your friends? This is so sad. I just... I just discovered Shit's Creek, which sucks because Canadian, I should have known. Um, we had a Shit's Creek writer in here right before you. Shut up. Seriously? <laughs> Sorry. Ah, killing me. Um, I just discovered it like a couple months ago and now I've binged the whole thing yeah. and I'm like ready to slip my wrist because it's almost <laughs> over. So that that's what I uh, – oh, oh, oh. And the finals or the last season of Luther. I mean, mm, uh, yeah. first of all, Idris Elba. Who doesn't love him? Um, but that show is so brilliantly written and produced and performed. And and that's been my other favorite thing that Great. I watch lately. Good ones. Jenna? I, um, the Outsider on Hulu. Oh. Uh, or is that Hulu? No, it's HBO. 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 I yeah. think it's incredibly well produced and um, – I love it. I love Jason Bateman. Love everything he does. Love it. Um, and then I I reach back into the archives, but because I was sort of working on a mystery, I finally watched the first season of Broadchurch. Oh, it's just going to say Broadchurch. The best thing I've Holy ever shit. seen. Yeah. Right? It's, in, it's absolutely brilliant. flawlessly incredible yeah. in every way. I mean, way. David Tennant and absolutely. Olivia Coleman. Come on, uh, oh. right. Olivia Coleman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, You're are you starting kidding? No, way it's up here. that <laughs> last bit oh, oh my god i've never felt so speaking of philip Seymour hoffman like her performance it got so raw and close to the bone in a way that i feel like phil could do where you just 
you just feel every fiber yeah. of their yeah. oh I, sadness. Oh my gosh, I so agree. amazing. I so agree. That's you read my mind. That's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. It really is. It is anything else? I need to uh, uh, oh, and I oh, I just rewatched season two of the comeback because yeah. I'm obsessed. <laughs> because I was way ahead of its time. Because that's just my happy. And, place. And it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David. Let me just draft off. Which I was saying, Speaking of drafting, drafting <laughs> I, I was working on a sambo in Alaska, and I know I uh, I <laughs> actually um, totally agree with Broadchurch. I actually went. Have you seen two and three? I'm so excited to. Oh, they're to, fantastic! To, to they're start also, them. also great. They're oh, also wow, great. Really? And you would think it's impossible. I'm just an Olivia Coleman yeah. freak. I just think I saw oh, the yeah. favorite, and I was like, oh, oh my god, she's amazing. I've seen that like six times. I have this thing where when I'm writing, I've constantly got something on in the background, and. And it's been an Olivia Coleman thing. Like usually <laughs> movies, like old movies, yeah. uh, I'll just have them on in the background, and I'll just look up on them. They'll, they'll be on like number two volume wise, and I'll just check them. <laughs> but certainly, broad, certainly Broadchurch, uh, absolutely Broadchurch is magnificent. Also, The Outsider, slow burn in a way that I kind of kind of frustrates me. I don't know if you feel that way, Jenna, but it kind of frustrates me sometimes. But mm. it teases you in a way that you love it so much. You're like, oh, I want more. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Uh, and of course, Ben Mendelsohn is amazing in that. Yeah. Everybody, Mary Winningham is amazing in that. Uh, my wife's watching Shit Creek. Shit's Creek. She just got me involved <laughs> in Shit's Creek, which is fantastic. Um, what else am I loving? Uh, oh, fucking Better Call Saul. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. I binged. Um, that's what I did also to recover from Whiskey's cancellation. I binged. Um, I re-binged uh, Breaking Bad. So, and I'd been watching Better Call Saul, so I like, I love Better Call Saul. I think it's, it's probably some of the best television out there. been watching the pa- Paulo Sorrentino's thing on HBO, The New Pope, um, mm-hmm. which is uneven, but it's beautiful. If you like The Great Beauty, it's mm-hmm. a great Sorrentino. I hear it's great. It's, 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 it. it's, it's good. Yeah. But, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Unbelievable is great if you haven't watched <gasps> that. I have not seen it yet. I loved it. Oh, is it oh, great? It's so great. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, is that Mer- is, oh that's, that's Merritt Weaver? Yeah, and, yes. and, and Tony Collette. Yeah. I hear it's fantastic. It's, I got to check it out. And it's so moving and so like Incredible. tightly written and great show. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. So listen, we're spoiled for stuff, right? We are. We are. We've, we're saturated with brilliant, brilliant <laughs> stuff. And you all are contributing. So thanks. Good luck with all the things happening. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Being Thank here. you, Thank you for us. having us. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Meow, meow, meow.